As we wrap up season three of the Recover Your Soul podcast, I'm taking a little bit of self-care time. And in that, I want to replay some of the most popular episodes for the bonus episodes that are for Apple Podcast subscribers and Patreon members. This one is called, Should I Stay in My Relationship? This is a complicated subject. It is different for everyone. Being married or in relationship is never easy. I hope this is a helpful episode to you. My name is Reverend Rachel Harrison, and this is the Recover Your Soul podcast, a spiritual path to a happy and healthy life. I started Recover Your Soul after having profound changes in my life from my recovery of alcoholism, control addiction, and codependency. I was guided to share the tools and principles of spirituality and soul recovery to help others transform their lives as mine was transformed. For us to overcome external circumstances, we must first turn the attention to ourselves, focusing on inner change. Outer positive results in our lives will follow. As a spiritual coach, I can support you on your path to make real changes that will bring you a life of peace, happiness, connection, and abundance. Visit the website recoveryoursoul.net to book coaching sessions, read the blog, listen to some of my original music, and subscribe to receive email updates. I think of Recover Your Soul as a community. Follow us on social media and join the private Facebook group to support each other and connect. For an extra episode each week and to support this podcast, become a Patreon member or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. Today's episode is on the topic, should I stay in my relationship? Now, this is a really big topic. And the reason why I want to talk about it is because in a lot of the forums, especially the Facebook forums for supporting each other, there's a lot going around about whether you should stay or whether you should go or what's acceptable behavior or what isn't. And, you know, ultimately, even in working with people coaching, that is a very, very private and independent answer for every single person. So I'm not going to be telling you whether you should stay in your relationship or not, because ultimately that is your own journey. Everybody's relationship is completely different. But I want to talk about is just this conversation around it from a soul recovery perspective. When I first met Rich, I was just madly, deeply in love with him. There was just something about him that was just everything to me. And I remember on our wedding day, looking at his eyes, star cast, as if there could never be anything that could ever happen that would be difficult or have hardship. And now as I am a minister, and I'm marrying people, and I watch them look in each other's eyes with that same just anticipation and belief that we're going to do this without anything ever hurting us, It's pretty remarkable about how our bodies and our minds work that lead us to believe this fairy tale. And there's that episode that I did about the myth of the fairy tale, the happily ever after. Not that we can't be happy, but this myth that there's some perfect something. There is no perfect anything. But what I can tell you in my relationship with Rich is that there was this deep, incredible foundation of really deeply being in love with each other. And that we both just thought 
the other one was just the greatest thing ever. Well, isn't that wonderful and beautiful? And isn't that a great foundation? But there's other stuff that goes with it. There's all of our previous upbringings. There's our values. There's our ways of interacting in hardship. There's ways of interacting in joy. There's our belief systems. There's our likes, the things that we're interested in. What are our hobbies? What are our things to do? And when we're young, we don't really know all that stuff yet, where the truth is we're just figuring it out. So when I look at relationship now, And I look at the people around me who are questioning their relationships. What I hear a lot of, and this is how I felt, this is what ended up happening to me, that all of that gooey fall in love with him stuff started to fall by the wayside when life got hard, when we had kids, when we had financial issues, when life got complicated, when we started drinking too much, when he started drinking too much when I needed something emotionally and physically that he couldn't give me. And the truth was, it turns out I wasn't giving him emotionally or physically what he needed or wanted either. And a void grew between us. And I think that's generally what happens. And that's how that separation starts to occur. In soul recovery now, I look back at myself and you know this because you've been listening to the podcast for a while And if you're listening to this, you're listening because you're an Apple podcast subscriber or Patreon member, which means you're really investing in podcast, but you're mostly investing in yourself, but you've listened for a while, that you know that my major discontent for so many years was really feeling like if Rich could be different, if he could be different, then I would be happy. And so when I look at people's relationships and the quorums out there with all these advice columns and people giving what they think, there's a lot of if they would, then I would be better. If they would quit drinking, then I would be better. If they would be like this, then I would be better. Now, what I can tell you, I can't tell you whether to be in or out of your relationship, but what I can tell you is that no matter where you go, there you are. And so you might be in a relationship that is not satisfactory, that doesn't feel like you're connected, that you want a partner and a friend. I hear a lot of my clients and a lot of my friends outside talking about this wish of having a partner that would show up for them in a certain way. And it isn't that it is impossible for that to happen But from a soul recovery perspective, what we need to look at is we need to look at where we're putting our energy, where we're allowing for somebody else to be in control of what we think that we need for us to feel complete and to feel happy. So absolutely, we are deserving of partners that participate with us around the house Um, emotionally in conversations and decision makings in our lives with the kids financially that, you know, there's both parties have made agreements of what is the right financial choice for everybody involved, that you feel safe, that you feel loved, that you feel wanted. Those are the aspects of relationship that we all want. So it's not about saying that we can't 
have or want or need those things because we absolutely can need and want and have those things. From the soul recovery perspective, what I want to make sure that we're turning to is that part of ourselves that needs to know that it's our internal compass our internal way that we feel about ourselves, how we get our self-esteem, are we in our ego or are we in our connection with spirit that gives us our strength of who we are so that we can be in a place where we can ask for what we need from kindness and from compassion so that we can have realistic expectations so that we can see people for exactly who they are and accept what is wonderful and let go of what isn't and decide whether that's enough or not for you and can let go of the blame and the shame and the guilt that comes in relationships of who's right, who's right, who's, who's the right one here and that the other person's at fault. When we do this work of turning the attention to ourselves and letting go of the other person I think a lot of people, and I think I've said this before in the podcast, think that then we have to be a doormat, that then we, you know, I'm always advocating for keeping our mouth shut more than having it be yapping, 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 but it doesn't mean we don't have a voice. It just means that we're looking at our motivation underneath what we're saying. Is it trying to control the situation? Is it trying to manipulate the situation? So if you're in a relationship like I was in my relationship with Rich, where it went from this just madly in love with each other, couldn't get enough of each other place, and having kids was a big piece of kind of what happened was that Rich really had to hit the road and start working really hard. And the work that he does is incredibly physical and demanding and emotionally and mentally demanding because he's the brainchild of each one of these projects, building these incredible backyards and being the designer and being the foreman and being the worker and being the, it's a lot that, that he takes on when he does that. And that financially it was a huge strain on him and that I always had side hustle jobs and I worked at restaurants and I did multi-level marketing and I, had a flower business and, you know, I always was doing something, but Rich in our relationship for us has always been the one who makes predominantly makes most of the money. Sometimes it's 80%, sometimes it's a 60, 40, you know, whatever it is. But that weight on him, that that laid on him in the mix of the checkout that comes from alcoholism. So some of you have heard the story of the fact that when I had Bodie was in my tummy and Alex was a toddler and Rich went up into the mountains about two hours away and spent two years working and building a house for my mom. And it was a dream for him. It was a life come, you know, dream come true, life dream come true that he got to design and live on site and build this amazing structure, this beautiful house. And he would come back in the summers for like two months in the summer 
and do projects down here to make extra money. And he would come down not every weekend, but, but most weekends. And that for me was a major turning point in our relationship in terms of him being an alcoholic, because I had little kids then. And I, you know, for part of that time I was pregnant and nursing. So I didn't drink during those times. And I think that I didn't drink heavily as at, at all as much when the kids were little, because I needed to be present because I really needed to be awake. So I was drinking on a much more normal behavior then where I could have a couple drinks, you know, a couple times a week uh, to relax, but it wasn't daily drinking um, large amounts like I did by the end of my alcoholism. And what I hear from people and that I felt is that it wasn't necessarily Rich's drinking that was hard for me. It was the loneliness. It was the lack of intimacy, emotional intimacy, and for him, physical intimacy. Men and women are different this way. Women need to have some emotional intimacy to feel like they want to be sexual. And men generally want more sex so that they can feel emotionally intimate. So there can be a real standoff there in terms of how we connect with each other. But I felt really alone. And that was the real beginning for me of feeling like I wasn't getting what I needed. And watching him do something that he was really excited and passionate about, and they were up there just hammering away on this project and hammering away on alcohol. I mean, he tells stories of how much they drank and it's just insane. Well, he came back a different person. He definitely came back a different person, a kind of more rough around the edges kind of a person. You know, he had lived up in camping, literally camping in a tent, building this place for years. And I raised my kids by myself in those young years. And that changed our relationship. So I think that was the beginning for me of wondering whether I was in whether this was the right thing for me or not, because it wasn't coming out like that storybook belief that I thought that we were going to do when I stood on the side of a lake and looked into his eyes with such admiration and had this vision of what I thought our lives would be like. It wasn't turning out like that. So on a soul recovery perspective, it's important to feel the grief of the expectations of what we felt like we were walking into, how we thought that we wanted it, what was maybe promised to us that didn't end up happening. Now, in my life, there was never any violence, even though there was yelling and um, Rich, I will also say, <laughs> Rich says that because I was raised in a family with absolutely zero yelling ever, that I feel like we yelled a lot and I feel like there was a lot of conflict with the kids and that the parenting style that came out was kind of this heavy handed parenting style. Rich will tell you that he came from a standard family where there was a lot of chaos and brothers fight and parents fight and that I had unrealistic expectations. And I think that that is probably true. What I can look back now at is how much energy I, from that time, put forward into only seeing him as marginally meeting what I needed. That I didn't allow myself to just grieve 
and have awareness and have clarity and then accept what is and turn the attention to myself, work on myself, not spend literally years and years and years of time and energy complaining and wishing that it was different and do the inner work on myself to quit giving my power away. Now, in our situation, because it's not like there was danger, it was just emotionally not what I wanted. And so I think that when you're looking at your relationship, if you are in danger physically, emotionally, financially, that you are living in a fight or flight situation, there is something very important to look at that in terms of like, is this safe for me? Is this safe for my kids? Am I the frog in the boiling water and the water is literally boiling and I am dying and I'm trying to make it work and trying to stay because I'm afraid? That's an important thing to look at. And if that is what's going on for you, start looking at can you lean on your higher power? Can you trust and know that you will be supported and guided? And can you come from a place of belief that there is something better, something more safe and better for you in terms of your physical, emotional, financial safety? Those those are huge things, especially if you have somebody who is an active addict, who is acting out, who is irrational like really take a look at that. This is not where you let them hurt you and then you spend a whole bunch of time looking at yourself. That's not ever what I'm saying. Be safe, be safe, be safe, be safe. Make sure you're in a safe situation. But there's a lot of us that end up, it's fine. We're just discontented. It's just not exactly like what we thought it was. And so because we're discontented, we start to put the blame and the attention on the other person as not being what we wanted or what we needed. And it starts this cycle where they feel that, right? Like to not be rejected, to not be loved fully by your partner is incredibly painful. So they are responding in kind to that kind of emotion. So what I feel like is happens and soul recovery is that because we're turning the attention to ourselves, because we're saying, okay, I'm not going to totally try to project the future and predict what's going to happen. And I'm not going to obsess on whether this is the right thing for me. I'm going to work on releasing and letting go of the guilt and the pain and the suffering from the past so that I'm not carrying that with me and showing up with those emotions every single day. And I'm going to do this work of turning the attention to myself, bringing the power to the only place that I have it, which is with myself, and start to ask myself questions like, am I really seeing it the way that it really is? Is it absolutely true that I'm not supported here? Is it absolutely true that I feel like I can't have a voice here? Is it true that I don't have intimacy? And the answers to those might be yes, that that is true, that that is what's going on. And and if that's the case, then you want to make sure that you continue to do the work so that you can be asking for guidance, for clarity, for awareness, and taking the time and energy and taking the time and energy connecting deeply with your higher power leaning on source, allowing for clarity, 
so that you can show up in a new and different way in your relationship. And you can see if the way that that change happens begins to reflect the people around you in different ways. Now, you may still have somebody in your life who is actively using. I know for me, one of the reasons I was actively using was I was freaking miserable. So if you have two people in a house who are miserable, they are each going to use whatever tools that they have to cover up that pain and to not feel that pain. And so the, when we get healthy, when we stop blaming and being aggressive and snotty and closed and snapping and all those things that I did, and you start being lighthearted and accepting and allowing and non-controlling, a shift happens with the people around you where they feel more safe, they feel more comfortable, they maybe they're more open to conversations about what it is that you really need that they weren't open to before. Because it's safer in the environment. Maybe they can have some place where there's a little crack of an opening to talk about why they're choosing their dysfunctional behaviors. And is it something that wants to change? Now, we can't make anybody do recovery. So if your entire thing is laying on whether the other person in your life quits doing whatever they're doing, I continue to say it's unlikely that they're going to make that choice, especially if we are the ones pushing them to do that. Now, the other thing is that quitting drinking wasn't what healed me or my husband. What healed us was doing spiritual, emotional work was soul recovery is what healed us. Alcohol was just the byproduct. It was just the front line and behind it was all this stuff. When you're looking in your marriage and you're looking in, or in your relationship or your boyfriend, or your girlfriend or your friends or your job or whatever it is, you can't leave your kids. <laughs> you can you could detach from your kids, but we can never leave our family in the same way that we can leave other people. On a deep spiritual level, there's this whole thing that says until we can make peace with that other soul, there is an inextricable tie that happens in our souls. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to learn how to make peace with the human being that this other person is, or these people that we work with, or the people that we're in relationship in some way, our friends, we're learning how to truly see and accept somebody else for who they are, and the humanness for who they are, instead of from the judgment of who we wish that they would be, and why we're pissed at them for not being who they are supposed to be in our eyes, and that anger that comes from that. It's a huge order to ask for that level of forgiveness from ourselves to somebody else, but it is what brings us the peace and in the end allows us to stop being a victim, taking our power back, being in control of the only thing that we're in control of, which is ourselves and how we interact and how we show up and how we say what we say and how we actually feel about things. Our life is what we think and feel they are. 
So if we think our relationship is shitty, we're going to have a shitty relationship. Now, I won't say that my marriage is perfect. I will say that compared to all those years, we are much, much, much closer to those starry-eyed, in-love people that we were in the beginning because we're connecting and coming to each other as open souls. And there is still conflict. And there are still not great days. And sometimes I still feel lonely. And sometimes I still feel unseen. But it doesn't rule my life. And it doesn't affect me to the level that it used to before. And I do not blame him for how I feel anymore. And so in my relationship, in my situation, I'm emotionally safe, I'm physically safe, and I get to be me. If you have to completely abandon who you are and you can't be yourself in this relationship, it may be something to look at. And if you are completely accepting of the other person, and again, like my parents, it wasn't that they didn't love each other. They just realized that they just really couldn't do or be themselves in their relationship. That it made more sense as human beings for them to walk away and live their own lives. And they did it with incredible kindness. It's pretty remarkable, really, what they did. But being angry or thinking that if you leave this, then you'll be okay, or that somebody else, God forbid you think that somebody else will come in and save the day and bring you happiness. We just repeat the same patterns. That's why it's so important to do the soul recovery so that you now have clarity of mind to be in a situation and to look at your relationship, not from guilt, not from victimhood, not from anger, but from acceptance, allowance, tenderness, compassion for everyone involved, and to make a decision for these two human beings to say, is this right for either both of us, or is this right for me, or is this right for them? Maybe we're holding on to somebody that really isn't right for us, but they're ready to go and we won't let them go. There's so many things out there, but we can't fix people. We can't make somebody be something that they're not. So the clarity that comes from being in soul recovery, from being in a place where you're connected to higher power, where you are in your power, you are not using somebody else to fill you up, make you happy. And looking at the situation from a detached place, from detachment, where we're not responsible for somebody else's emotions, somebody else's well-being, that'll help you decide whether you're supposed to be in this relationship or not. And more often than not, interestingly enough, when people do this work and they start letting go of all of their expectations that are unrealistic expectations, and they start letting go of their parts of themselves that have been unhealthy, the relationships change into a place where it's generally okay and it's worth staying for. Is it the fairy tale? No, no, it's not the fairy tale. The truth is that doesn't exist. And I think that 
everybody needs to listen to their own inner voice. And no matter what anybody else says, only you know with higher power what's right for you. But the hardest part is that there's so many people involved always. There's your partner, if you have kids, if you have outside family, there's a lot of security that's attached to it. But in every situation, we're coming back to connection with spirit, the trusting that we are being held and guided and directed by a higher power that wants the best for us. That if we can lean into that trust and and put our life in the hands of this universal divine consciousness and trust and believe that we are being guided through this learning and having gratitude for the aspects of our life that have been hard and see them as learning tools and not as grievances, it helps us to have that clarity to be able to make these big decisions. Now, I am still in my marriage, and at this point, it's wonderful for me, and I'm very happy with it. I don't think forever, but I also stopped having a foot out the door and decided when I came back into recovery this time that I was going to be in my marriage and that being one foot out the door was not beneficial anymore, and I was going to be in 100%. Because then if it didn't work out, and in the end, it made sense that this wasn't going to be right for us, because that was a big question at that time, it wouldn't be because I wasn't giving my full effort, and I wasn't being my full 100% working on itself. That's where I came from. And so as we move forward, you know, we've talked before, what if Rich relapses? And goes not only just the drinking, but sort of turns into an unreliable human being. Not that he was unreliable before, he just was intense. (laughs) But whatever it is, I will decide at that time whether it's going to work out for me. But today, I'm here today. And I've quit blaming him for the past. I really have forgiven the past. There is no need to hold on to the past. It is unnecessary. It's hurt that happened that doesn't even exist anymore, except for when we hold on to it. And I've let go of trying to predict the future because that's impossible. And then I'm not just being right here, right now, being my best self right here, right now. I hope this is helpful to you. I know many of you are in relationships where you're questioning, and I just encourage you to be you, do you, heal you. Put you first, put your soul recovery first, put your connection to higher power first, be your best self, let go of the blame and the hurt and the victimhood so that you can see truly, clearly be accepting truly and clearly of the other person for who they are in all their glory and in all their shadow and allow it to just be. Then you will be able to make a clear decision. And in the end, it's only a decision between you and your higher power. Until next time, namaste. Are you wondering, how do I go deeper on my path to soul recovery? Or how do I support this great podcast? Well, here's how. Here's your call to action. If you're ready 
for real inner change and would like to work directly with me, visit the website and book a coaching session. I'm here to support you on your unique path. I'm here to help you let go of the past, to deepen your connection with your higher power, whatever that is for you, and to discover and then step forward into a happy and healthy life. You can also become part of our soul recovery community. One way is to join the support group. It's the first Monday of every month. It's by Zoom from 6 to 7 p.m. Mountain Time, and you can register on the website to get your Zoom link. Recover your souls on social media. Of course, there's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, lots of ways to connect. And there's even a private Facebook group that will allow for more communication and conversation about soul recovery. There is also an extra bonus episode every Friday if you are an Apple Podcast subscriber or Patreon member. I'd also love all of the listeners to subscribe on the website so that I can keep you informed on what's going on with the podcast, the community, with me, and anything that's up and coming and new and great about soul recovery. Also, if you just take a little bit of time to give me five stars, a quick review, and to share the podcast with your friends and family, we're helping even more people to have soul recovery in their lives. If this podcast is providing you spiritual nourishment and inspiration, thank you, thank you for going to the website and pushing the donate button, whatever donation feels right to you. This means so much to me because I have this enormous mission of sharing soul recovery with the world and your donations, your bookings, your subscriptions, your being part of this community is helping that to happen. Together, we can do the work that will recover your soul. The Recover Your Soul podcast and its content is for educational purposes only and is not allied or representative of any organizations or religions. It's based on the opinions and experience of Reverend Rachel Harrison. Recover Your Soul claims no responsibility to any persons or entity for any liability, loss, damage, or cause alleged to be caused directly or indirectly as a result of its use. Applications or interpretations of the information represented herein. Take what you need and leave the rest.